Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Good morning, church. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Do it again. Say it again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father God, we celebrate your presence today. We're so thankful that you're here, that you're walking these aisles among us. We don't have to hope. We don't have to, to sacrifice. We don't have to do anything, Lord. Your promise is where two or three are gathered together in my name with one purpose and in one accord, my promise is that I will be with you and I will be God in your midst. Father, thank you for being here with us today in the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, minister to your people today. Strengthen them, Lord. We love so much what we're doing. We, we're so focused on it, Lord Jesus, but there may be others here whose need is so great. They can't see what we're looking at. They can't understand what we're talking about. And, Father, I pray that you do what you did so well when you walked this mortal climb for 33 years, Lord. You walk through our crowds and you see the ones that need a touch. Do it now, sir. Do it one more time. We, we give you leave to do what you want to do in this service this morning. We love you, sir, and we ask one more time for your anointing. We pray the prayer of Samson. Left hand on the left pillar, right hand on the right pillar. One more time, God, do your work and use me to do it. I pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You guys are just going to have to pray with me that I'll get a new, a new iPad. <laughs> I left mine on a Delta flight somewhere. Someone got blessed. Can you say amen? <laughs> they got my nice iPad. And you can replace an iPad, but it's hard to replace those nice leather covers that we get over in Thailand, huh, Bishop? The, the iPad was like 250 bucks, but the cover cost a lot of money. <laughs> I still miss that cover. I'm, I'm in mourning. Probably need a little counseling. Well, it's good to be home. It's good to be here, Bishop and Pastor Kathy. Uh, isn't Pastor Kathy looking awesome? <laughs> I was coming down from West Palm where my flight eventually landed early this morning. And, uh, excuse me, you know, I have furniture disease. <laughs> All those guys keep pulling the back of the bridge. Said, hey, you know, it's not the back that's the problem. It's the front. <laughs> But I was coming down the highway, coming down 95, coming to church, and I'm just, I just passed Sample Road and looked in my back view mirror, and here was this hot blonde man <laughs> coming up behind me, and it was Pastor Kathy. <laughs> I said, wow, that, that can't be her. It looks like a 40-something. <laughs> She's awesome. She's awesome. And Bishop just kind of looks like he does. <laughs> Pastor Sean, Miss Aaron, good to see you too. And my good friend Raleigh Hurst is here with us today. Raleigh, stand up. Will you, man? A fellow missionary, works with us at Fire Bible. <clears throat> Amen. And for an offering of just $1,000, he'll fix your backswing. Okay? <laughs> Professional golfer. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. As, as Pastor Sean has shared with you, and many of you know me, I'm sure some of you don't, and and you probably forgot everything I said last time I was here. I sometimes wish I could just send a video and watch myself. But it's so good to be here at the place where I started my journey as the leader of Fire Bibles. I started my journey as the leader of Fire Bibles International. Didn't happen in church, didn't happen in someone's house at an old-fashioned prayer meeting. It happened on a par five on Eagle Trace. You remember that, Bishop? <laughs> Dennis is here. Dennis will attest to this because every time we're on that par five, we hear the same story of how Bishop hit an eagle on that hole. Remember that one? <laughs> I laced it out there and then I roped it in and, and I put it, I'm just like, I've heard this story a thousand times. <laughs> when you only get one eagle in your whole life, it, it, it impacts you. But I had flown to South Florida from where I was currently residing before I went back to Thailand in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And I had flown to South Florida because I needed to hear from God. 
Have you ever been in that kind of a place where you just know that you need a word from the Lord? And, and I'm a, I'm a full-blown minister, and I, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and yes, I get on my face before God, and, and I hear God speak, but the Bible says you have many teachers but not many fathers. And I have this man I claim as a father in the faith, my mentor, and I wanted to hear what you had to say. So I came to Florida, and uh, so we... I, I poured out my heart to him. He says, well, let's just golf. So we went out and we golfed. And I'm just like, this is earth-shaking. This is, this is monumental. We're talking millions of dollars. And here we are on the golf course. And he just going along and, and we're golfing. And I got, you know, we got everything done and no word from the Lord yet. The seer had not yet spoken. And so we went and we ate something. It was probably Ruth's Chris because we always eat well when I come down here. As you can tell, <laughs> I was telling them in the green room this morning before I came out. Uh, I was coming down 95 and I passed the sign that said Golden Corral and my steering wheel started yanking to the right. <laughs> None of you eat at Golden Corral, do you? Anyone here a Golden Corral fan? Anybody? Oh, yes, I see those hands. David, thank you, man. Yes, yes. Nothing like Golden Corral fried chicken wings. Man, they just set you free. After two or three hours, literally, they will set you free. <laughs> hey, this is, a, this is a safe place up here now today. Our, our sister said the poo-poo word up here. <laughs> I thought, wow, this really is church. We're meeting in somebody's house when you can talk about poo-poo on the platform. Chicken wings, poo-poo, it's got to it's go uphill from here. <laughs> it's got to go up. Bishop said, let me think on it. He went home, and, and I didn't see him. I went back over. In those days, I was staying at a hotel over by the, the old Heron Bay Golf Course. And, and the next morning, we got out. He says, come on, let's go. Let's go golfing again. So off we went again. And uh, he, he beats me every time. It's just you think I'd learn. <laughs> I'd either cheat or trip him or something, but he beats me every time. And then we're going along, and we hit that par five. And he hits another one, and I'm listening to the same story. There's something about repetition that's good for the soul. And he tells that same story, and he, as I recall, he puts his driver back in the bag, and he says, oh, yeah, um, the Lord spoke to me this morning when I was meditating. Most of us are just trying to wake up. Bishop meditates as he gets up. And he says, and the Lord told me, I'm, I want you to take this job. I want you to take this. You remember that, Bishop? It was just, just that offhand. It wasn't, okay, now I'm going to speak in tongues and the Lord is going to flow. He put his driver in the bag and says, oh, yeah, I want you to do this. The Lord wants you to do this. It's a good thing. And I just looked at him and I said this monumental, spiritually deep question, why? <laughs> why? And he looked at me and it was, didn't even pause. And he said, because the influence that God is going to put upon you and the door of influence that's going to open for you is like nothing you've ever imagined before. Now get in the cart and let's play golf. <laughs> and I want to tell you, my life changed that day. Like I hope some of yours is going to change after this service today. You'll look back on moments. When you're in them, they don't feel quite so momentous. But later on, it was 10 years ago, almost 10 years. It would have been June. So next month will be 10 years ago we had that conversation. I didn't think that it was going to be a monumental change. But as I look back on it now and I see the multiplied millions and millions of dollars that have been raised across this country with purpose to create these fire Bibles that Pastor Sean just mentioned in 64 different languages, now touching 4.2 billion people now have access to God's Word explained that never had it before. I would say that was momentous, wouldn't you? And, and, I, and I love this word. They said, well, you don't like it too much, Jeff. It's not even unwrapped. You saw this video, didn't you? Did you see all those people's faces and smiles? And to me, it touches my heart. Uh, this is all preamble. I haven't touched my notes yet, so we're in deep trouble. But I love that video because almost everyone on there is a personal friend. 
I've been to their country. I've sat with them and I ate rice and chicken feed and, and I ate insides and I ate dog and I, and I ate every, I just, I've been with them. I've eaten and I've been in their homes and, I, and we've worked for years to put these Bibles together and to see them on that video again as they, as they take those, those Bibles and they unwrap it for the very first time. Talk about Christmas. <laughs> it's exciting to be there, isn't it, Bishop? I know Bishop's been there for a couple of them. The one that sticks in my mind the most is when we went to Cambodia together. And we did that one. But you unwrap that Bible and, and just, just the feel of it. And for me, it's even more than that because I know all of the work and all of the money and all of the time and all of the moving pieces that had to come together. Every single one of these languages is almost like a miracle. Now, I, I, you can't quite say it's a miracle because if you, if you buy a boat and you buy a net and you get a license and you go out and you're fishing on purpose, that's not a miracle. That's called hard work with purpose. But when you, when you see after the event the price that people paid, not just the finance, and I, I thank God that this is such a giving church. When it comes to purpose, you're number one that I've ever been at for giving to purpose and long-term legacy. I thank God for what you've been able to do. But I just, I look at this word and I, and I think of what other people have paid to bring it to pass. Brother George in Istanbul, Turkey was working to translate the Turkish fire Bible notes. When they broke in, they disemboweled him with a scimitar through his guts into the street and then threw his body out so that the dogs could lick up his blood. And I say this Bible, this word of God explained is precious in the sight of God for it is costly and it costs so much. It costs us in money, it costs us in time, it also costs us in lives. Another family in the nation of Pakistan, I'm not gonna tell you where or when, but, but they were working on our Fire Bible and our, our Pakistan Sunday School program we put together some years ago when, when those who didn't like what they were doing broke in and killed the entire family. I want you to know this Bible costs something. It's worth something. I love the feel, I love the smell, I love what it represents. This is as close as I can get this morning to physically touching my Savior. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word came and did what? Dwelt among us and explained himself, explained the Father, and explained the kingdom. He could have sent an angel. He could have sent Elijah, and he could have sent uh, Moses. He could have sent anyone in a miraculous fashion. He could have waited until the, the, the real fullness of time and used the internet. I mean, come on, was God not, did he not know the internet was coming? I think he did, but he came in the fullness of time when languages collided and governmental systems had collided. He came and at just the right time, he walked among us and explained himself the precious word of God. And during this last year, folks, I, I never get tired of telling this story. I'm trying to look as many of you in the eye as I can. So this is not about any individual people or, or just friendship between Bishop and Pastor Kathy and myself, this is about us as a church, what we have done. In the year of COVID, <laughs> the church stood up and gave their fist to the COVID and to the enemy that tried to destroy the church of the living God. And instead of that, we turned around and we cursed COVID this year. Say it with me. I love Sean. This year, <laughs> this year we did it. And this is what we did this year. Each one of these 500 plus thousand dollars. We finished the Hmong edition. We finished the Kareni edition. We finished the Polish edition. We finished the Serbian edition. We finished a brand new Bible in the Czech language for the people of the Czech Republic. We finished the Gujarati edition for 57 million people in Southeast India. We finished the Kannadan edition also in India. And now going to press is the Singhalese for the 40-some million Singhalese speaker in the nation of Sri Lanka. The Word of God is going to be explained in their own heart language because of what we're doing. 
Praise the Lord. 193 million people are added to that 4.1 or 4.2 billion people that now have access to the explained word of God in their own heart language. It doesn't sound spiritual, and maybe you want to take it off before you put it on the tape, Sean, but devil, <laughs> take that. Take that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May the name of the Lord be praised for what you have done. We've joined ourselves with the purpose of God, and what we have accomplished together is marvelous in his sight, and it will last. It will last. I love the Word of God, but I specifically, in this last 10 years, have been on a journey of loving the Word of God explained. We have the gift of pastors, Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron, Pastor Kathy, Bishop Rick, and, and other ones here among us. They are God's gift to us in the body of Christ. They stand up here week after week after week, and they explain the Word of God. They rightly divide. They, they, they come against heresy. They come against the enemy's attack. They come against the insidious encroach of secularism in the body of Christ, and they say, no, this is the way, not because I like it, not because of the school I went to, but because of why? Because this is what the Word of God says. And they explain it to us. But I am fully aware that there are multiplied hundreds of millions of people around this planet that are seeking an understanding of Jesus the Christ. They're seeking to know him who is altogether lovely and who poured out his life for them, and it's not yet finished for them. So if I, if I holler a little bit, if I spit a little bit, I'm not going to use guilt and I'm not going to employ emotional tact, but I am excited about what we're doing together. Praise the Lord. I'm a Browns fan. I have nothing else to be excited about. The Word of God explained. In Nehemiah chapter 8, the Fire Bible is basically built on these two passages of Scripture if I don't get to read them all. Nehemiah chapter 8 and Acts chapter 8 both happen to be the 8th chapter. I don't know. Maybe God did that on purpose. In both instances, we see a group of seeking people that are seeking not for more religion. How many of you know we've got plenty of religion? Plenty of religion. They weren't seeking religion. They weren't just seeking more knowledge. We have Sari. We have all the knowledge we need. <laughs> Google, <laughs> the anointed font of all wisdom. Eight out of every ten answers are incomplete or false. <laughs> but hey, it makes us feel good because we found it on our iPhone. What were they seeking? They were seeking understanding. They were seeking to know and to comprehend. That word comprehend is a big word to me. It's not just that I memorize scripture, it's that I have consumed the scripture and it's in me and I know it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Because when I have his word in me, it speaks to me, it instructs me, it enlivens me, it empowers me. God's grace becomes the empowering tool within me that I might be victorious day after day after day because his word is in me. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to, I think it's going to be on the screen here. Pastor Reese was tracking with me. Who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out. If he didn't, I'll read it to you. It's an exciting portion of scripture to read. And all the people assembled with a unified purpose. I love that, don't you? All the people, not some of the people, all the people got together for a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. This, when, I, when I was reading over this again this morning, Bishop, that's what reminded me of that conversation we had on the golf course. A specific place in a specific time with a specific outcome. They were at the water gate. Not that hotel in Washington, D.C., not that one. Some of you are old enough to remember that, I know. <laughs> they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on that day, October the 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who can understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on the high wooden platform 
that had been made for the occasion. You see the, the, whole, the, the whole sense of momentous occasion here. They came with purpose. They came together. They had asked for understanding. And the religious people, the, the scribes and the, and the leaders had come together to do that. And to his right, the right of Ezra stood. And this is where if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you read these real fast and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. Manatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masalah. To his left stood Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah. Hashum, Hashbananana, I like Hashbanana, it's easier to say, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. And when they saw him open the book, they rose to their feet. And then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, so be it, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then the Levites, the professional singers and instructors of the law, Yeshua, Bani, Cherubiah, Jamin, Akab, and a host of other names that's tough to understand. They instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly did what? Explained it. They read from the book of the law and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read helping the people understand each passage. That's why we have the fire Bible. It doesn't take the place of your pastor. It doesn't take the place of the, cate the, the, the catechism of the church. I know that's a word some of us don't use anymore, but it basically means a, a structured teaching of the great truths of Scripture so that everyone will have it in their heart. A catechismic teaching of the church. It doesn't take the place of that. It doesn't take the place of the local church. It doesn't take the place of missionaries, boots on the ground missionaries in far-flung places. But this word of God explained in a heart language is an incredibly valuable piece of the puzzle to reach people for Jesus Christ. Then we look over into the book of Acts, and I'm not going to take time to read that. We've done that before. But in the book of Acts, you remember the story where Philip, the evangelist, was taken out of a red-hot revival. And God took him out into the desert because one man was looking. And I'm like I am. I'm looking for a Kleenex. Do we have any Kleenexes here? I get excited and it just starts flowing. Thank God it's just, it's just my nose and not something else. Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. You, you get old, you lose control, folks. I'm telling you. <laughs> Can anyone say amen, amen, and raise your hands? Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Getting old is not for the weak. Praise the Lord. But we have determined, we have determined that until God kills us, we will serve him. Amen. Old people are tough. <laughs> we may move a little slower and grab a cane from time to time, but we still got a seven millimeter mag in our closet. Amen, Dennis? <laughs> we know how to use them. <sighs> Old people are scary mean, buddy. <laughs> um, I'm drifting, I know. I'm sorry. In Acts chapter 8, he sent Philip out, and he left, he left the crowds. He left... All of the noise. He left everything that we go to see. People being slain in the spirit. People being delivered of demons. People being healed by the laying on of hands. People getting saved. Filled with the spirit. With the evidences of speaking in tongues. And the joy. And who knows what else. He was taken out of all of that to the desert. Why? Because one man was sitting in a chariot. <laughs> On the, what is that, that par five on Eagle Trace? I don't know what number that is. Is it number 12? <laughs> One man was sitting in his golf cart saying, I need to understand this, God. And God, who is infinite in his wisdom and in his accounting of what's important for the future and not, takes Philip out of that revival and puts him in the desert for the sake of one man. Who needed to understand Acts chapter 8 you can read the story yourself and Philip runs at the instruction of the Lord and runs up to the cart <laughs> to the chariot if you will and uh, he says sir do you understand what you're reading how many of you know he, he knew the words if he was reading them he understood the words he, he had familiarized himself with ancient 
Aramaic, although that wasn't his language. His language was Amharic, the ancient language of Ethiopia. But he was reading in a second or perhaps his third language. Of course he had done diligence and he was reading the words, but sometimes reading the words does not mean you fully understand. God sent Philip to bring enlightenment. He said, do you understand? And his response was instructive to us. He says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Philip climbed in, he sat down, said, pass me some french fries, and I'm going to tell you what this chapter in Isaiah is all about. Understanding came into that chariot that day. And you say, how do you know, Jeff? The Bible doesn't say that. It's by inferred instruction. I know in, in that, that uh, understanding and anointing came into that chariot because eventually he said, stop here. There's water. I mean, that's a miracle, water in the desert. There's water here. What doth prevent me from being baptized right now? He was already religious. He was already worshiper of God. He was already anointed to be a leader in his people, but he wanted to do everything that God had said to do. Repent ye therefore every one of you and be what? Baptized for the remission of your sins. Baptism doesn't save you, but obedience gets you into the heart of God. He wanted to be obedient. So he said, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, this man who was probably the second or third level of authority in the country of Ethiopia, went down into the water. He came up, a born-again believer in the household of faith, and Philip the evangelist was, he went to another location by the power of the Spirit. The eunuch went back home and founded the national church of the country of Ethiopia, the second oldest Christian nation on the planet. Because he had understanding, because he understood it. Well, when Jesus was here, he could have done a lot more healing, don't you think? He didn't heal everybody. He could have cast out a lot more demons. He could have had his own deliverance ministry. What some of us think the entire church needs is all we need is more deliverance. <laughs> Jesus didn't deliver everybody. Say amen, it's in the book. He didn't heal everybody. That can kind of wreck your theology a little bit. It said from time to time he left the crowd, he left the need, he left the opportunity to do public ministry, and he took his disciples and his close ones off into a desert place to do what? To instruct them that they might understand, that they might comprehend what the Word, who was Jesus Christ, made, made manifest in the flesh, that he, they wanted them to understand. So he was constantly comparing things so people could understand it. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. The kingdom of heaven is as a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is as a field where there was wheat sown and the enemy came to sow the weeds. And, and the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who went forth to sow seed. Some on the hard ground, some on the weedy ground, some on the dry, hard walking place, and some on wonderful soil. The kingdom of heaven is as a master who had three servants and he tasked them with obedience with his treasure. The kingdom of heaven is as a wedding where there were five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. That sounds like a like a, uh, some kind of reality show, doesn't it? The kingdom of heaven is as a wedding invitation where the people are too busy to come and celebrate the good things that's happening in other people's lives. The kingdom of heaven is as a dragnet where you let down the net in the ocean and you're going to get the good stuff, but all the other stuff comes with it. The kingdom of heaven is as an 11th hour marketplace encounter with the God who loves the harvest more than anything else. He keeps going back, would you work for me? 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 Until the day was almost over and he still comes and says, will you work for me? By the way, that master of the harvest is still among us today. I love creating fire Bibles in other languages, but I can't stop being a representative, an ambassador, if you will, for the fields of the world that still need people to work in them. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do today for fire Bible. But I know that Pastor Sean at least has specific places in mind coming up that we're going to focus on as a church. And Bishop has places as close to his heart that God has laid on their heart through the years. These people need us to touch them. The kingdom of heaven is as a child in Matthew 19, 14. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what was the big deal about kids? Because they're innocent. How many have been around two-year-old? There's no such thing as an innocent two-year-old. 
They may not be demon-possessed, but they're definitely manifesting <laughs> something. <laughs> I only had two of my own, but we had, <laughs> we had six other ones that we burned ourselves through. <laughs> it's great being a grandpa, though. I can just pay them off and send them somewhere else. It's not about their innocence. It's not about their age. It's because kids are not afraid to ask hard questions. And Jesus stood before this, and he did it, and the kids will say, why? Why? Well, you don't ask why. Jesus just did it. Why? Jesus loves that when we come into his presence and say, Lord, I don't want to just know the story. I want to know the why. I want to emulate you. If, I, if I'm going to be like you, I need to know why you did stuff. You won't know all the whys. You won't get all those answers. But kids will ask that. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A fire Bible in the language of a people is as close to a facsimile as we'll ever have on this planet without a personal visit from Jesus himself. This word of God explained is as close as we'll get to having the word of God with us on a daily basis. This great fire Bible tool. I haven't talked a lot about it, I realize, but I'm trying to set you up, and I, I'm, I promise I'll be done before one o'clock, because I, I have a steak dinner waiting for me up north, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> Does he always have to talk about food? <laughs> well, I could talk about poo-poo, but I'd rather talk about, <laughs> rather talk about food. <laughs> this fire Bible, in the languages of the world, seeks to explain, it seeks to transform, it seeks to empower, it seeks to reproduce in kind according to the DNA that's encapsulated in this word. And when these people, that these fire Bibles are eventually unwrapped, the plastic comes off, the cover comes off, and they sit down there and they begin to look at it, and you can see something dawning on them. Wow, here is something in my language was part of the miracle. Jesus came and walked among us for 33 years so that we could feel and handle and taste and touch, as John said in his, in his epistles later on at the end of the Bible there. He said, that which I have held and tasted and touched and walked with and sweated with and, and, and everything, that is what I give to you. That Jesus that I understand because he came and walked with me and he spoke my language. There's something valuable about that. And this is a time when normally I'll, I'll, I'll preach the kerygma message of Paul in, in my Thai, Thai Lao dialect. But a story ran across my mind as, as you get older, you reminisce. Sometimes the stuff that happened 20, 30 years ago is realer to you than what happened as you ran the red light, right? I don't remember that red light. Yeah, you do. If you think about it, you'll know you did. It was 30-some years ago, I had been invited to sit at a table with a bunch of communists. Now, how many of you know that's not the Golden Corral? <laughs> we had unslung. <laughs> Bishop, you're familiar with what that is? It's the intestines of the cow where normally, if you're from a farm context, you'll understand this. We can call them chitlins. We can call them intestines. In Thai, they call them, uh, uh, what do they call it? Sin kai. <laughs> and, uh, but they'll take those intestines and they'll boil hot water and they'll pour hot water in and they'll sling them things to get all the inside stuff out. And then they'll clean it up one more time and they'll chop it up and they'll put hot peppers in with it and some ginger and some coriander, what we call cilantro, and they'll put some chopped onions in there and a little bit of pork knuckle and, and, and pig's ears and pig's everything else they'll put in there. And, and it's pretty good stuff. But these guys had a dish out that day that was unslung. It was just intestine from the cow, a chop here and a chop there, and they laid it out there. <laughs> How many of you know Bubba don't want to go to that golden corral too often? <laughs> that will kill you dead if you eat that stuff. That kind of a dinner. But that wasn't the hard part, not just the food. It was the fact that everyone there had never heard of Jesus Christ, not even once in the history of their families. For thousands of years, the only word they knew about our religion was Christians, Sasanakit is what they call it in Lao, the, the, the religion of the Christ. They didn't have a clue what it was. 
I was their Bible. <laughs> I was the Word of God made manifest sitting at that table with them. How many of you know I make a pretty bad Jesus? <laughs> but I'm sitting there at that table, and I'm just thinking, man, what a great opportunity. The entire church could raise their hand and come to Jesus. I didn't. They didn't want to hear any religion. They were there to battle with me about how a building we were going to build should look and what we should put into it and who needed to be hired, all that stuff. But they had food. And what's part of our custom? We bow our heads and we give thanks for our food. And I thought, surely they'll let me pray. So I asked Mr. Saitong, I said, Mr. Saitong, if it's possible, may I pray to God? Our Christian custom, I couldn't say this is a mandate from God, from the Holy Scripture. I said, it's our custom that we bow our head and we thank the God of the universe for the food that we're about to receive. And I wanted to say, and I'm praying I don't die from eating it. <laughs> He said, whatever, whatever, Mr. Dove, do whatever you want. So I'm bowing my head, and no one's bowing their head. Nobody's closing their eyes. And so I began to pray, and I started praying a very simple prayer in the language of the Laotian people from the Siangkwang province. And I said, God, you see that we're getting fixed. We're fixing, as we say up north. We're fixing to eat together with my friends. And I pulled them into my prayer because <laughs> it was the only legal way I was ever going to tell them about Jesus. And I, I began to pray for the church, and I began to pray for the lost, and I began to pray for the ones that I knew, their wife and their kids. And it was a long, long, it was a missionary prayer over the meal, the ones you never, you never want to hear when you're going to someplace nice. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I thought, man, they're going to kick me out of here. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. That's how you say amen in Lao. Amen. Now you learned how to speak Lao. <laughs> amen. And I, I lifted up my head wondering what was going to happen. Every eye around that table, some 20-some men and women, was lasered in on me, looking like a chicken on a June bug, <laughs> just focused on me. And I thought, wow, I wonder what I said. And Mr. Saitong, the leader of the Department of Education for that entire state, looked at me and he says, Jeff. Does your God speak loud? I said, well, sure he does. He speaks every language on the planet, and he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal. I just, man, I just took off from there like Philip at the chariot. I don't care what verse. I don't care what question. All roads lead to the salvation experience of Jesus Christ to them that are already in the kingdom. Amen. We took it for as long as he could take it. He says, oh, okay, 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 okay. That's enough, that's enough. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> he didn't know who was listening or what electronic device they had there recording the situation. It's against the law to proselytize in that context. But it was instructive to me. Does your God speak loud? Does he understand me? He sure does. It's like going to their home and eating dinner with them and then salvation arrives. The story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Say it with me, tax collector. <laughs> Ooh, we hate him. We hate him good, but we hate him with the love of the Lord. <laughs> tax collectors. <laughs> Jesus is walking along, and Zacchaeus was just a little short guy. Now, I'm not against short people. All my grandkids were short. Now they're all taller than Poppy. <laughs> but they were short. I'm not against short people. But this guy could not see Jesus because of the crowd. He couldn't touch him because of the crowd. He couldn't get near him because of his reputation as a tax collector and a thief among the people. He couldn't get close. He couldn't dare get into that crowd without his henchmen with him. Or he could have been killed because he was working for the Roman government. So what did he do? He booked it on up ahead and found a sycamore fig tree and climbed up that, that tree. I love that the scripture is so descriptive. It's a, not just a sycamore tree and not a fig tree. It's a sycamore fig tree. And he climbed up. If you ever seen a sycamore fig tree, the, the branches were made for short people to climb. He climbed up in that tree because he wanted to see. How many of you know there's more than just a guy that wanted to just see the parade? 
God looked into his heart and he saw that Zacchaeus wanted an encounter with him. But somebody had to say it to him in a way that it, he would understand and would make an impact on him. So, so Jesus walked along, he looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, get yourself down, boy. I'm coming to your house for supper. And I don't want no one slung. <laughs> Bring out the good stuff. Jesus said, I'm going to your house for supper. How many of you alienated half the crowd when he said that? It's like saying, my best friend's a Democrat. Oh, my, I have relatives that are Republicans. We can't even talk about stuff anymore. We're, we're going to offend everyone. I'm sure Jesus offended half the crowd when he said, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. I'm going to your house for supper. And oh, by the way, bring your homies with you. I can't believe Jesus, the son of the living God, is eating with prostitutes and tax collectors. I always wonder why they put tax collectors in there with the prostitutes. It's <laughs> just saying. It's in the book. Lord, I need understanding. <laughs> when he got there, he was already three-quarters of the way to Zacchaeus' understanding. How many of you know you get in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Word of God explained? Your heart begins to warm and salvation begins to bubble up. And Zacchaeus, on his own, uninstructed and uncommanded, said, Lord, this day I purpose to never cheat anyone again. And anyone that I have cheated, I will give back four times what I took from him. And Jesus said, surely today salvation has come to this house. I think my greatest joy about our fire Bibles that we're working on together is this. It's going to bring men and women, boys and girls, into a place of understanding that Jesus speaks Gujarati. Jesus likes naan and hot, spicy food. <laughs> Jesus will speak the language of the Rolang tribe in northern Burma that have asked us for a fire Bible. He has walked the sandy hills of Kazakhstan where Bishop Yarkin just came to my office last week and said, Jeffrey, I know we're a long way off and all Americans hate any country that ends with S-T-A-N. But we need a fire Bible in our own language. Will you help us? How many of you know every time someone asks me that question, it costs me $500,000? And I want to be professional and I want to be kind and, and I want to be accurate and say, well, brother, we're going to put you in the queue and, and, and we're just going to believe that maybe 10 or 20 years down the road and things will change and finances will flow and the algorithms will combine and Sari will give us permission. I just, I, when people come to me and say, Jeff, I'm the leader of my people and we need a fire Bible in our language, will you do it? My, my gut, my visceral response is, you bet your bottom dollar we will. Of course we're going to. Jesus always responds to a query saying, Lord, would you eat with me? Would you come to where I am? Would you be with me in my context and with my house? Modern day Zacchaeus. Fire Bible is a word from God that outlasts this world's attempts to crush the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I get more and more questions. I'll probably get it today. Why are you still printing Bibles when you can do everything on an iPhone or on the internet? It is true, you can do a lot on the internet, you can do a lot on the iPhone, and we're quickly and expeditiously chasing that rabbit. And how many of you know the first thing to fail when the Russians crossed the line into the Donbas region, into Ukraine? The first thing to fail was the internet. The next thing to fail was the power grid. <laughs> When the, when the enemy comes in, <laughs> when the enemy comes in, that kind of stuff happens. But as a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And in Ukraine, in Ukraine, we have deposited nearly 20,000 of these precious explained word of God in the Ukrainian language. And how many of you know <laughs> the power can go off and the lights can go dim, but you can light a twig or light a candle and you can still read the word of God if it's in your language. Across the border into the evil empire, the nation of Russia. How many of you know 98% of the people in Russia are embarrassed by what's going on and they don't like it any more than we do or the Ukrainians do? We cannot hate our brothers and sisters in Christ in the nation of Russia. 
Instead, it's instructive, and again, it's in the book. Pray for them. Intercede with them for the groans of the Holy Spirit because the church is under attack there. <laughs> We've got nearly 300,000 copies of the Fire Bible in the Russian language that are circulating in that country. I know that God is, God is in control. It's among the Burmese where just in this last year they kicked out every Christian missionary in the entire country. We have the Fire Bible in Burmese. <laughs> we have it in Lisu. We have it in Chin in that country. Three to four million of these blessed Fire Bibles are active and working in the nation of China today. Amen. Amen. You say, Jeff, we don't like China. Oh, come on. You still go to Walmart, don't you? I can, I can tell you. This is a new shirt. I know it's probably not what you guys are wearing, but this is just me. I don't apologize for me and me. It's who I am. I got it. <laughs> I got it online. I didn't get it at Walmart. But I got to tell you, when I got it and I looked at the tag, I was so thankful it didn't say made in China. It was made in Bangladesh. <laughs> we can't afford to hate China. Not the people of China anyway. We can hate the oppressive system, but we can't we got to just join with them in faith, saying, Lord, during this last days, pour out your spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. These Bibles are still there because we took the time to print a real copy. And I'm, I'm trying to finish up, but I mentioned to you about the bishop, Bishop Yerkin from Kazakhstan that just came to my office this last week. I fell in love with him. What a, what a great, great guy, great spirit. I think of the other ones that God has been putting on my heart, the Romani gypsies all across Europe, the Rawang tribal group in northern Burma, now completely cut off from any missionary enterprise at all. The Javanese, some 110 million Javanese speakers of the nation of Indonesia have never had a Bible with the full explanations in it. The Quechuan people of Peru, that ancient Inca, Inca language, where they had human sacrifice. They were so religious, they killed each other to try to get into favor with the, the gods of their specific universe. And they have come to us and said, Jeffrey, will you do for us a fire Bible in the Quechuan language? The Uyghurs, those who are 99 point something percent Islamic inside the interior of Northern China, but are under such attack now by governmental systems. How many of you know it didn't just happen to the saints? It happens to other people in other religions too. Now they're fleeing that country, across the border into Kazakhstan, they're in Azerbaijan, they're coming into Thailand, they're coming into northern Vietnam. And guess what's the first thing the Uyghurs want? We'd like to read what everyone says is important, but we can't read English, can't read these other languages. We need it in the language of the Uyghurs. The one language I've asked Pastor Sean and through him to Bishop to consider is one that's dear to both Bishop and my heart. It's the language of the Akha people of Northern Thailand. They're also in Northern Laos and Southern China and some, some bleed across into, into Nepal and Northern Myanmar as well, but mostly we come to know them in Thailand from our years of going back and forth to Thailand and being a part of that. This church has bought property for the Akha people. You've done that. You may not remember it, but you did. Sometimes you give for the purpose of expanding the kingdom and because you trust your leadership, you may not have ever known that it happened, but you bought property on Pu Padang Mountain in, in Northern Thailand. And oh, after you bought the property, you built a church. And they outgrew that church and you built another church. And then we bought property down in the middle of the city. I say we, collectively, as a church, we bought the property and we destroyed the old building and we put up a new one and, and there's a church there today. The Akha people have never had a full explanation of the Word of God ever in their 3,000 year history as a recognized people group. It's time. Just before COVID hit, their apostle of the faith, I don't those of you who know me for the last 20, 25 years will know I very rarely put the tag of apostle on someone because I go back to the scriptural understanding of what the word apostle means, someone who has seen Jesus 
and then purposely goes out and plants churches and starts movements. That's their ministry. They may move in healing. They may move in acts of faith and, and words of knowledge, but that's the defining factor, seeing Jesus and planting churches where it's not been planted. There was a man in northern, in northern Thailand called Ajahn Wirapong who had been the founder of the very first church ever among the Akha people. Who just this last year, about 13 months ago now, passed away due to this stupid virus going around the world. When he passed away, one of the last things he said to his dear wife, who is now the leader of the church, doesn't claim an apostle's tag, but she's leading the church. He said, honey, we gotta have that fire Bible. <laughs> we got to have that fire Bible. Don't let Jeffrey forget that he promised it to us. And so I said yes, and you write the check. <laughs> amen. I got one amen for that. We have so many opportunities to understand people like the Aka have none. But today, we start to change this for all of eternity. Let me break this down for you just briefly, and I'm just about ready to quit. It's my second or third closing. I forget which one it is now. But a typical fire Bible has 2,200 pages, and they average about $500,000 to get the first one done. Each word then costs about 40 cents to translate it, to format it, to print it, to put it in the hands of people. Each page costs about $227 and 27 cents. Each chapter, 1,189 chapters in any language of the Bible, $420.52 per chapter. An average book out of the 66 books of the Bible, an average book will cost $7,575. You say, Jeff, you're talking money today. How many of you know that the two things Jesus talked more about than anything else, money and hell? Hell, because he didn't want you to go there money because when money no longer controls you then you're fully controlled by the Lord you say oh that's easy because you're asking for an offering no I'm with you too I don't like coming to listen to a missionary speak every time I sit under one I have to fill out a monthly pledge it touches my heart too I'm just like you but I'm talking about money because that's what we'll need to get this done God will help me find the translators He'll help me find the editor I already know the printing process. I know the four matters in Bangkok. I got those moving parts down. We've got a personal long-term friendship with the Bible Society that holds the rights to the text so that we can use it and print it without breaking copyright laws. What we need is finance to get the Word of God explained to the Zacchaeus in the sycamore fig tree in northern Thailand, the Akha tribal people of northern Thailand. As Bishop comes, let me just pray one more time for you. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for the gift of this church to the body of Christ. They not only have received all through these years, Lord, they have been the foremost in generosity. Bless them now, Lord, as we say one more time, let's do something great together for legacy, for purpose, for a people we may never see, touch, feel, or understand, but our hearts, we will know that we sent to them the word of God explained, explained in their language. In Jesus' precious name, we pray this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.